It's your favorite time of the morning. The Forum at 8. Favorite time of the morning. On AM Live. Uh, last week, uh, we learned that South Africans who were not poor almost a decade ago are now considered to be living in poverty. And that's according to the National Income Dynamics Study that was released by the Department of Planning, Monitoring and Evaluation. The study also revealed uh, that having more educated young people has not led to a reduction in inequality. The countrywide study started in 2008 and it's the first national household panel study in South Africa. And uh, responding to the report, the minister in the presidency, Jeff Khatebe, said that uh, people are effectively trapped in poverty and that they require more policy interventions. But is that the answer? More policy interventions. And in addition, a study conducted by policy analyst uh, Jean D. Trichard titled Poverty and Inequality in South Africa shows that poverty and inequality have coexisted for generations uh, in both developed and developing nations, and that in spite of the multiple interventions, progress to eliminate this problem remains elusive, which I think most of us can attest to. So let's try and see if we can get any further in this debate in finding some answers, some possible solutions about inequality. So we're asking this morning, is the solution to uh, what what exactly is the solution in your view to South Africa's inequality problem? What should we do? What can be done? Do you agree that it is, um, you know, at a policy level that we need to introduce more interventions there? Or do you believe that it's quite OK? This is nothing new. The two can coexist, inequality and others thriving uh, uh, side by side, and that the two could peacefully coexist. What are your views on this? 0891104208. You can also tweet or Facebook us at AMLive on SAFM, and please use the hashtag AMLive. And joining us for the discussion this morning, uh, Pumlani Majosi, who's a business analyst at the Independent Entrepreneurship Group, and there was also a youth coordinator at the Free Market Foundation. Thanks for coming through to studio, Pumlani. Morning, how are you? I'm very well, thanks. I'm all right, thank you. And um, also joining us uh, in, uh, well, he's in Cape Town, or is he? I don't know where he is quite this morning, uh, but he usually speaks to us when we do the budget speeches and so on, dissecting them. Dick Forslund, nice to speak to you again, uh, Senior Economist at the Alternative Information and Development Centre. Welcome. Thank you. Nice to speak to you, too. I'm sitting south of Durban, in fact, on the south coast. Oh, all along the coast. But thanks so much for your time this morning, Dick Fosland. Now, let me just start with the obvious question. This issue of inequality, how do we move people out of poverty? Because if we can answer that question, problem solved. Um, But are we able to answer that question effectively? Dick? Are you asking me? Yes. Well, the basic thing is, of course, to to have a more equal distribution of income at the site of of, uh, of employment. Uh, that that is the basic basic thing. Uh, so you have to have the, to do something about the situation in South Africa today. I think you have to have stronger and more unified trade unions, which demand better wages and better conditions for the workers. So that's the, the first thing. Then, of course, the, the government must step in with, with policy to redistribute income from rich to poor. And that is, even if there's a lot of complaint on taxes from, from in, in, in the business press and so on, 
taxes have been reduced for, for the higher middle class and, and, and the rich in South Africa since the last 15 years. And then you can't have as much this redistribution of income as you should. Uh, so, I mean, a, a stronger labor movement to, to take charge of a larger part of the new wealth produced every year and, and, and the government that is committed to, to redistribution, redistribution of income through taxation. That is the second thing. The third thing, of course, in South Africa is the large amount of, of uh, money and capital siphoned out from the country. It doesn't only hit the government revenue, but it also takes away uh, a large part of, of what should go to, to wages and to the working class. Jelani, uh, Pumulani, do you agree with that? No, I don't. I don't agree with most of his points. He's talking about distribution of income. I don't believe that income can can be distributed. I think income is earned the way I understand it. You cannot distribute income. Income is earned. And depending on your level of education, depending on your level of skills, that usually, when you look at the way the world works, that usually aligns to, or, I mean, how much you can earn, right? I think also he speaks about trade unions. To me, I do believe that people have a right to form trade unions. If you have a place of work, we as, as workers, we have a right to, you know, to coalesce, to form group and, you know, and argue for better uh, conditions of work. But I don't think that we, that in fact, um, we do understand that what trade unions do is that they do what is in the interest of their workers. They're not addressing the key challenge that the wider uh, South Africans face, and that is high unemployment rate. That is almost uh, like 9, 9 million people who are unemployed right now. So to say that trade unions could be the solution, that is not true. Because trade unions, what they are doing is that they are representing the interests of, of, of the workers. Well, Lizzie Mavavi, when he speaks, he speaks of, on, 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 I mean, on, on behalf of his members. When AMCO, uh, I mean, head, heads of AMCO speak, they are speaking on behalf of, um, of their members. But what does it do to the key major challenge that you are facing right now, which is that a big um, uh, number of people in this country, millions, close to 10 million, um, who are unemployed in this country, and they are not members of the union. To, to suggest that somehow that we can address um, uh, the key sh- issues of poverty by saying that we should lift um, uh, the wages of those who are working, to me it doesn't really uh, uh, address the key challenge. Because, that, I mean, if we talk about someone who's poor, we're talking about someone who's unemployed. We're not talking about someone who is a member of the union. To, to, to suggest that we need more trade unions and having them will, will, will address the key challenge that we face. I don't agree with that. And then he speaks about... Um, it's not about the higher taxation that we need to, um, I think his suggestion is that we need to tax uh, the rich people more so that there is a distribution of, of, um, of, uh, of, of wealth in a way. But I don't think that would, that would work for us. Because already right now, as we speak, we have very few rich people in this country. So suppose we are going to tax them. How much would really the, the millions that right now who are poor, how much would they get if we, if we were to tax them that? We have about, I think... People really, in terms of income tax, they are plus minus, I mean, six, five million in this country. People who pay income tax, right? People who wake up in the morning, go, they produce, they earn income, and then they pay income tax. So if you tell them that you want to tax those five million people, we have about, um, I don't, we have 56 million in this country. If you, are, if you are to hike taxes of those people, how much exactly would, would, would we spend on, on the key, on, on, the, on the poor in this country? And how, how I mean, how long would that, would that spending last, to be honest with you? So to me, I think that, uh, what he's telling us, I don't think really is, is, is the way we should go in this country. We cannot follow these policies because they serve the interest of the few. If you're talking about trade unions, you're talking about people who are working. We're not addressing the needs of the poor. We're not addressing the needs of someone who's looking for employment. So to suggest that now we should lock up the market uh, uh, through empowering unions, through um, 
um, through taxing uh, people who are already paying a lot in this country in terms of income tax, who are already the key base. These are people who are paying for this country. And most people are not paying because they cannot meet the threshold that is required for them to pay income tax. Before I get back to Dr. Forslund to respond to that, Rito, I just want to ask you, uh, now that study that was released last week, the National Income Dynamics Study, and uh, this was conducted over a period, a sustained period. They kept going back to the same people uh, over a sustained period of time, starting in 2008 and that study found that more uh, having more educated young people has not led to a reduction in inequality so how do you explain no that? no why should it lead to a reduction in inequality that's a long shot to say that if we educate people in a globalized world in a world that where me as a young business analyst young professional i need to compete with uh, an employee from india the consulting company I work for, sometimes they bring people from India. They bring people from the Philippines. Sometimes mm. we have projects that are cross borders. So now how do you say that because now we are going to have, um, um, uh, let's, educate our, and let's educate our young people and therefore we'll achieve um, a, a decline in, in, in inequality. That should not be our, obje- our objective. Because what that's a long be our The objective yeah, is to raise the standards of, um, of the people who, who, who are in poverty to say that if you are a young person, a young professional like me, let's give an opportunity. Let's give education, right? Let's send you to UCT. Let's create an environment where I can afford to go to UCT. Out of that, then I will go and look for a job and find a job. And therefore, I will work very hard. I will achieve what I want to achieve. But I cannot to say that the objective shouldn't be to say that you want to equalize income because that's a long shot. Rather, let's give an opportunity to young people. It shouldn't be to say that I think to, to say that uh, that's the biggest mistake we say. We are saying that young people, even though we've given them education but therefore we haven't been able to reduce inequality. That's a, we are not going to achieve that. I don't think we would achieve that. What should be the main objective to, to say we should pride ourselves and say we've given them education, they are now working, and now they are earning income. They will be joining the middle class. Not to say they will, uh, inequality has, um, the, the, the objective should be to, 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 to try and overcome inequality. I don't think that's achievable. Uh, Dr. Fosley? I mean, yeah, it's, it's hard to, to cope with, with uh, my, my uh, colleague's fast speech here. But, but when it comes to education... I mean, uh, we, we can't have a sort of uh, uh, Johannesburg CBD, city business center ap- approach to unemployment in South Africa. Uh, it, uh, South, we must have an approach that, that encompass the whole of South Africa. And, and the issue of education, of course, education is extremely important. And you can't have a good education uh, in South Africa without having a tax system that taxes the rich and the middle class and redistributes to, to, sort of, to, to, uh, uh, to prop up the, educate, the public education system from basic level. But remember, already but right now... No, let, let, no, him let me speak now. Mm-hmm. But, but, but when it comes to, to unemployment and so on, there's a lot of jobs that needs to be done uh, in, in uh, small towns, in rural areas, when it comes to, to burst water pipes, housing, new roads, etc., where you can employ people as they are. And, and where the speech about that, 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 that the youth have too low education, etc., is only a fig leaf for not doing anything about unemployment. There's nothing wrong with the South African youth. And everybody can learn when they get in, into a job to, to be trained and to be, get better and better. You start as an un, unqualified worker, and then you learn uh, at, at your job. What is needed is, of course, public funding to, to support all this social investment that is needed. Uh, 
those, I mean, those societies that do best for, it's interesting about inequality and, and uh, how it destroys a society. There was a very uh, famous study came, came up in 2009. It was a book called The Spirit Level, where more equal societies almost always do better. And this was a study about the what, 23 of the world's richest countries, uh, what, what, what inequality does for health and social development. Those societies that do best for all, rich or poor, are those with the lowest income differentials. Inequality causes shorter, unhealthier, and unhappier life, violence, obesity, mental problems, imprisonment, drug addiction, teenage pregnancy. It destroys relationships between individuals in who are born in different classes, etc. It's a driver of consumption that depletes resources of the planet. This was a study, study for, for the world's richest countries, where the working class isn't so utterly poor as it is in South Africa. So, so what inequality does to South Africa and South Africa, we can see it every, 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 every day. I read a piece by, by my colleague uh, where he said that this d- debate about inequality is whipped up, and it's kind of like... Uh, it's, it's an exaggerated debate. I mean, I don't think it's a debate that whips up anger against inequality. It's the daily suffering of, of many people in South Africa and also the knowledge that it doesn't have to be like this. Uh, that is what makes now inequality a focus of, of economic policy discussions. You wanted to respond, Pumlani? Yes, I want to respond. First of all, I think we're talking about... Um in terms of spending more on education, already right now, as we speak, we spend about 20% of our expenditure. When the Minister of Finance comes and, and proposes his budget, it, it, it's a big chunk of our expenditure. It goes into education. So I just, I, I mean, I think that your point was you are making is that we should spend more, right? Into, it, we should yeah, throw I more money should, into I education. Think we should but go it, for the free, free uh, education, higher education, as the student movements have, have been demanding. I think that is a necessity, and it has very, very much to do with uh, equality and equal opportunity. But, but my point is that we are already spending a big chunk of money, and you really believe that the key challenge is that we don't have enough money being spent or the key challenge is that we're having an education system that has been unionized by SATU, right? I know uh, just a few months ago I sat with a person who, who has taught for about 40 years, right? And he tells me that the key uh, biggest challenge that they face in education is that we have an education system that has been hijacked by SATU that can say, you know what, we're going to strike for two weeks and not go to, and, and the schools won't be open. So I think we already spend about 20% in, in, you know, in expenditure in, into, into, edu- into education. I think for me, it's not, the problem is not spending. It's about the fact that we are having a, an, educa- an education system that, that, that is being hijacked by people who have special interests, people who want to, who have a political agenda instead of providing education for our kids. And where does the problem lie beyond the education system? Where does the problem lie beyond the education system? Yes. I mean in terms of inequality? Yes. Well, I think beyond education, what we need to address is also uh, the, 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 the policies that are being um, implemented by government, right? I don't think the policies that are being put in place by government are really serving um, um, as justice in this country. For example, right now, um, uh, Mr. Sir Ramaphosa is proposing uh, um, a minimum wage. So the question what will be the impact on that, right? Already right now, we have 9 million people who are unemployed, right? And if he imposes the, nat- the national minimum wage, what, what will that do to people who are not skilled enough to achieve that minimum wage, right? So I think the policies that, policies that we have right now 
are really also um, not the policies that are that, that that aim to encourage economic growth or at least people put people put people back into work. And that's a key challenge that we face. We need government that will that will put in policies that will encourage business growth growth, policies that will encourage uh, job creation, policies that will ensure that the market is there to create jobs right now. And also ensure that we have an environment where uh, uh, there is good education for, for, for young people to get skills. It's a digital world. We cannot escape from that. It's a digital globalized world where we are competing with the, with the whole world. So we need to get our education right while government puts in the right policy that would encourage job creation and end economic growth. And of course, the million dollar question, what are those right policies? But let's take a few calls. 0891-104-208. Zweli in Pretoria, good morning to you. Good morning. How are you, man? Well, and you? Good, thank you. You know, it's regrettable. Uh, this young man seems to suggest that the only people who have a political agenda are unions. He represents the Free Market Foundation. Ask him who funds the Free Market Foundation. That is a lobby group, my friend. And he must tell us, you know, we, we've had cycles of recessions in the long history of the world. Those have been mainly around the free market ideology prevailing. Um, there is greed that takes off when policy uh, withdraws from regulating. This is the experience of the recession that we just had, 2008. It is the market not being regulated, suggesting that it is regulating itself. So, you know what, it's, this is a tired debate, and I'm going to switch off if I don't hear people coming out of their ideological corners. You can't come on radio and suggest to us that you have all the answers to the question. this very complicated question. Let us rather explore the middle road. What is it that this young man can learn from uh, Dr. Feljun? I don't know what his name is. And what is it that, you know, we can learn from... It's, it's, it's just tired to suggest it's, it's one end or the other, the opposite end of the debate, because everyone has a political, including the organization that this very young man represents. The contrast, though, is that he's also an entrepreneur. I don't know. I think in the introduction you suggested he's mm-hmm. an entrepreneur. And actually, no. I think... No, not perhaps, an entrepreneur per se, but uh, he is from... Uh, Independent entrepreneurship group. Yes. Yes. Now, for me, that's where we can start looking for solutions. Because you know what? We need an entrepreneurial mindset. That doesn't suggest that it's the market that has to deliver on that. Government has also to be entrepreneurial in its thinking. I mean, I'm saying policy. We need entrepreneurial policy as well. Now, for me, that's not the same as what the Free Market Foundation, which he also represents, is preaching. I think these are false arguments, and they lead us nowhere, because it's the same ideological, which are very tired debates. We have so what a very is the real argument? Problem. What is the real no. argument, really? No, I mean, how do we reduce inequality? Mm-hmm. That's the argument. Now, it's, you know, the, the, the solutions from ideological perspectives have always been the same. Kick the market, you know, out of, you know, keep the market in, a, in, in their corner. And the opposite has been, you know, keep regulation out of the market. Okay. So, Let got the you there, Let the market regulate themselves.
Thank you so much. I just want to take Mulaudi uh, as well before we go to that news break. Mulaudi, good morning. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Sakinash. You know, you should stay to the point. I, I, I think the young guy is, 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 is not making any sense. All what he's suggesting has been tried in our country. And actually, I would challenge him to look at all the so-called developed countries, how they developed. Initially, the state intervened in the market. Now, what is suggesting that uh, we must invest in education and the market must be allowed to create a conducive environment? For, I mean, that argument is historically worthless. And the other thing, he, he does not consider... You, you posed a very important question, Sakina, beyond the education system, what is the problem? He was found wanting. Let, let me answer... Let me attempt to answer the question. The problem of this young man is that he, that he does not consider context and history. He behaves as if a meritocratic argument to our problems where education is going to be the end and the be-all is going to be a solution. And the other thing, if you go and check all the budget species, maybe for three consecutive years, it corporate tax has been reduced. And if you are speaking about overburdening uh, those people who are earning incomes and therefore are paying taxes, then the solution is very simple. We take charge of the commanding heights of the economies and transform the, their private surpluses into the collective national finances to fund all our programs. It's your favorite time of the morning. The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo. Favorite time of the morning on AM Live. And on the forum at 8 this morning, we are asking the question, what is the solution to South Africa's inequality problem? And we're in conversation this morning with Dr. Dick Forsland, a senior economist at the Alternative Information and Development Center. And we also have with us uh, Pumlani Majorzi, who's a business analyst at the Independent Entrepreneurship Group, as well as youth coordinator at the Free Market Foundation. Now, Pumlani says that South Africans must stop obsessing about income inequality. Um, what is your take on that? Do you agree? Do you disagree? Uh, Pumlani says that too often when it comes to income inequality, influential people like politicians tend to be driven by emotions instead of logic and objective interpretation of the factual data at hand. And uh, Dick Forsland, you're chuckling there. Share with us. Yeah, I mean, uh, what shall I say? It's it's kind of like like uh, he is promoting a, an argument which is 100 150 years old. Uh, these ideas have been abandoned now, or perhaps they have come back in a new form, and that is why why uh, the townships and and uh, and the workplaces are completely destabilized, and some and 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 you have all this uh, social violence and social upheaval in in the country. I mean, when it comes to the regulation and, and letting the market free, one, one uh, feature of the South African uh, government policy or the South African society is how weak the, the practice or, or the implementation of regulations are. I'm looking here at the letter to AMCO's uh, lawyers, uh, which relates to the gold sector negotiations, where AMCO argues that they can't, uh, they can't uh, approve of the of the deal that was struck between the other unions and the gold mining companies because one reason is that it promotes inequality. Now I read from the letter here, and then the Employment Conditions Commission was uh, approached by the lawyers saying what they think about this uh, this deal. Does it increase inequality, wage inequality at the gold companies or not? 
So there is a section in the Employment Equity Act, which called Section 27, which deals about sort of that income uh, differentials, inequality in income should not increase uh, in South Africa, and that the Employment Conditions Commission is required to research and investigate norms and benchmarks for proportional income differentials and advise the minister on appropriate measures for reducing disproportional differentials, that is, to increase equality. And then in this letter, uh, the chairperson of the Employment Conditions Commission simply admits to date, the, the ECC has not fulfilled this responsibility according to the Employment Equity Act. I mean, this is, this is now 20 years since the Employment Equity Act was, was adopted in 1997-1998. And the, 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 the government body which is responsible for doing something about this or even sort of have some kind of policy answer to this, they just admit that they have not fulfilled this responsibility. Sometimes it seems like, like the government uh, uh, officials or different commissions that they like uh, inequality and, and, and that uh, Everything is just sort of dropped drop by the wayside. And, and to speak in this uh, environment about even further regulation, when labor brokers doing what they like, when people are working 10, 12, 15 hours per day without any intervention from the authorities, I mean, it's, it spells disaster. Uh, so, so I can't take this argument from the Free Market uh, Foundation seriously. And I'm a little scared now. I, I learned that the mayor in one of our major cities, even in Johannesburg where you are sitting, is now a leading member of this, this outfit. And it's a bit <laughs> scary indeed. Well, uh, Pumulani? Let me respond. I mean, you know what interests me is that um, uh, um, you've been talking so much about people who are working. I think your last statement you've just made right now, you are concerned about people who are working 12, 13 hours or so a day and there's no intervention. But you, you, you've hardly ever, since we started the conversation, spoke about people who are unemployed. The 9 million people right now who are unemployed in this country. 40% unemployment rate. You've never spoken about that. Rather, you are talking about um, uh, people who are unemployed who already at least can put their bread on the table, right? It but, seems to me you are talking about a group. We are not addressing the wider challenge in this country that we are facing, well, and that when, is poverty. You know, when you speak about people working 12, 14 hours per day, then you speak about the person who do the jobs of two people, isn't it? So if you give him decent wages for making a decent work all day, which according to the law is eight to nine hours per day, instead of having to work 14, 15 hours, he's take, he basically many millions of these people who are working in South Africa today Taxi drivers, uh, people in, in, in different kind of both, even formal employment, they are doing, doing the job of one and a half. And, 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 and they are doing it. And they are doing it because they, they want to earn income. So, low. so the, the, this is one of the causes of unemployment in the country. The massive amount of overtime, illegal overtime that the people are working. I think, look, to me, it seems, that as, as I said earlier, that you seem to be concerned about people who are already employed or people at least who can put bread on the table. We are not speaking about the millions of people out there who are looking for employment, people who are desperate, really, really to at least work for those 12 hours, right? Because in this country, you need to remember one thing that, you know, I, I hear this, 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 I've been on radio quite a few times before, some radio stations, and people are, one person is calling and saying to me, you know what? Instead of having this exploitation of people of us working, rather I would I would rather choose to stay at home rather than earning a 
low wage or at least working under those conditions we are talking about. To me, that is false, really. We can go out there. We can go out there and do a bit of journalism or something and ask people, which would you choose? People who are unemployed. Would you rather go and work at least earn a wage or at least just stay at home? Which is it is a choice. People will always choose going to work, even though the wage might not be um, as high as they want to be. But they want to have a, a starting point. And in life, you need to have a starting point. And usually a starting point is not a higher wage. It's usually but a my, low wage. My, 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 you start we, there. We must create a society where you don't have to make these choices. That must be the goal, of course. But that way, is that where are going to find that society? Be forced to choose between pneumonia and influenza, uh, getting a flu. You, you, you should work to have a decent job, a living wage, a decent society. Uh, and to accept uh, uh, deplorable working conditions instead of organizing and, and together with your workmates and, and make life to, to be better for all, to make the, uh, sort of a, a decent workplace, decent wages. That, is, that must be a, that it's a natural thrust of people to, to improve the situation. And that can't be regarded as kind of like a... a biased or, or a vested interest, etc. It's a, it's a natural drive which has created democratic development and economic development in many countries all over the world. And it, it, it will be the same in South Africa too, I think, if the trade union movement can get their things together and organize more people and also organize those who are unemployed uh, in order to promote their cause. But I mean, in order to, uh, today the market has failed to solve the problem of unemployment and growth has, have, have, have failed. Uh, so you have to have a larger amount of redistribution and you have to, you have to tax, you have to have a not, not strong public sector in order to create public jobs and social investment and put people into work and you have to employ people as they are, and you have to stop to blame education system, etc., for, for unemployment. People can take jobs even if they have a, a, a not so long formal education, and they will learn as they go along. I mean, that, that, I think that is one policy solution for, for, for unemployment in the country. Employ people as they are. Well, we're going to take more calls. 0891-104-208. Remember, uh, the question uh, we are grappling with this morning is, what is the solution to South Africa's uh, inequality problems? Uh, because it is quite pronounced in this country. We are said to be uh, one of the most unequal societies in the world. But what needs to be done? Where does the answer lie? And I can't help but think that it's because of, uh, you know, all the platitudes that we throw around that we we uh, find it difficult to really get to the bottom of the issues uh, when uh, Pumlani talks about the fact that more people would rather be employed they, uh, on low wages rather than sit at home and earn nothing. One cannot help but wonder about the moral question uh, that is associated with that. But what are your views? 891 Pumlani uh, and Soweto, good morning. Morning, Fatina. I'll list my point, uh, uh, my issues in point, and I'll listen on the radio. I am obviously on the other side of Kumlani. Mentioned UCT, that's the one. That is the wrong thing. We have Mozambicans and Zimbabweans uh, serving the community through ceilings and plumbing and so on. So it's not about university alone. Two, South Africa is a developing country, like many people. Once you hear globalization by our South Africans, 
Is South Africa is uh, like the U.S. or Britain or New Zealand? It's not. Most of our people could learn. We could learn from other African countries. So it's a developing country. China is a, an example where the service of or, uh, executives is not dollarized and poundized like in our country. Number three, VAT. Many poor people pay VAT. Out of every hundred rand you to spend. 14 rand is VAT. So the myth about 5 million taxpayer is what the Freedom Market Foundation is pounding. Number four, income is end, but unequally. I've mentioned already China as a differential between executives and look where they are now in the last 20 years. Finally, the poor, the poor uh, are transferring in our country money every Monday to the rich side of the economy through stock sales, cash. But that money is used to enhance the capital of the rich, but the poor remain in cash from townships and rural areas. For six VBS, the president has publicized the VBS bank, which lends money to the poor in rural areas because the European uh, system that you understand that you pay you pay a bond for 20 years and you pay three and a half times after 20 years. At least the VBS bank pays rural people who, on rural land. And the Freedom Market Foundation is against that. Thank you, Sakina. Thank you so much. Uh, let's go to Temba in PE. Good morning to you, Temba. Good morning, Sakina. Sakina, let's quickly debunk this market fundamentalist. One, Sagina, you'll remember South Africa has had a golden period, the economic growth under President Tabumbegi. That period was characterized by unemployment, high unemployment, but uh, a high rate of growth in capital income. That, that's one part. Two, let's debunk this fellow. We know how market uh, worldwide uh, financial markets fell 2008-2009. And we know the role that was played by governments, particularly the United States, in building their economies, putting public funds into private companies, and those companies are thriving today. Second, the third one, Sakina, what is he saying about the reaction of South African employers who, when they are forced to employ black people, men and women, they take away all the fringe benefits they reduce the salaries of those black managers as compared to white managers. Who is this guy? Let him enroll the free flights to New York and Washington and go and, go and attend these conferences from Free Market Foundation. Okay. Uh, thanks, Temba. Gabriel Inswane, good morning to you. Good morning. Again. I, I think the first thing, you know, when him and Mashaba went to, uh, to become a politician, we thought, all these uh, fallacies are gone, but he has resurrected through Pumulan. Now, the, the other thing, Sakina, is that unity in South Africa is what we lack, and unity then gives credence to, to uh, solving the problem of inequality. Unity in the sense that the employment equity tells you that a certain section of, of South Africa is favored more than the other. Now, what we need from such things is that we need uh, policy, and then policy will then have to work with law so that we enforce uh, private sector to create jobs because they are not creating jobs. Every time 
government comes with a goalpost, they sh- comes with uh, different uh, aspects so that we can achieve this. They shift the goalpost because there is no unity among the South Africans. Unlike in Australia, Australia has got unity. Even the lowest paid person is around 25,000 in, in a mine. Uh, the example that the last caller made in relation to the U.S., the, where, where they pumped government money into business, because they had unity, they, they know what they knew what they wanted as, as the people of the U.S. We know what we want, but we are not united in achieving that. That's where the problem is. Thank you so much. Gabriel, let me read some messages. Uh, Tando uh, in Cape Town, uh, Tando Wababa says, uh, Pumrani's neoliberal views do nothing in solving the problem. He cannot go to the crux and core. He delves on the periphery and the symptoms. The other guy in tax the rich and redistribute, uh, that is the solution. The guy in studio has a corrupted mind. He can't think properly. Shame on him. John in Durban <coughs> says the young man is spot on. Well done. Uh, David Mpumalanga says one of the greatest causes of inequality in South Africa is communal land ownership. Simply giving rural people a title to the land they occupy will unlock huge potential. Uh, and then Anthony says, what is the Gini coefficient between cabinet salaries and that of workers? Uh, WM says children giving birth to children and the proliferation of cell phones and technology have contributed in a huge way to poverty, in my opinion. Uh, Jose Matretuga in PE says, decolonize the economy, period. Um, this one, unsigned poverty and inequality is caused by too much policy from government of the wrong kind. Uh, Jolene PE's contribution, SK, blacks will never catch up to whites. All over the world, blacks are always underdogs. And this one says, to quote Abraham Lincoln, you cannot make the rich, uh, the poor rich by making the rich. Uh, oh, I lost the rest of that. I don't have it. In fact, uh, Nellis was uh, says um, in a capitalist country, inequality will manifest itself. Ignoring land issue doesn't do justice either. Corruption being the last straw. And then let me just read a few from Twitter before I get back to my guest. Dr. Soli Khatle says uh, inequality was created by apartheid and intensified by policy policies of neoliberalism post 1994 um, inclusive growth is the solution that's what we're talking about the solutions uh, rmf says salary gap moderation is the most logical effective way to limit inequality and create jobs unemployment is so high because inequality is so high and by spreading wealth into communities you will create employers. Nkosing uh, Pile says, SK government must open the economy, remove the red tape for SMEs and big businesses must be forced to work with the SMEs. Abiri Khoto says, at the policy level, yes, government should nationalize the commanding heights of the economy. Klar. Pelo Mufukeng says, your guest is speaking nonsense. He says, there's no working people. Who are the poor? Absolute rubbish. Many working people are poor. Uh, Comrade Sabelo Tusi says the solution is to share the land uh, and inequality will be over. More tax for the super rich and introduction of a land tax. Uh, Robert says uh, teachers said uh, he had a teacher who said you are the only person who would overcome poverty Uh, that person is yourself by equipping yourself with education and skills and those were wise words whoever said that says Robert was lying 
And then uh, Zikali Tulani's version of poverty is very disturbing. Many of the young um, working class live in poverty. Posh uh, also says, if equal work for equal pay is not implemented, then black workers will remain poor. Aubrey Mashikri says, um, I suppose the solution to inequality is to increase the number of working class poor. Shaking my head. Neil Coleman says, your guest says that only the unemployed are poor. Not true. 5.5 5.5 million full-time workers uh, from the working poor and uh, those all have uh, 3 to 4 dependents which equals 20 million. Mzwanele Manyi says the whole colonial economic system is designed to produce inequality and poverty and we need to uh, decolonize that. Uh, Unati Kwaza says government already has their finger in almost every pie. Why isn't that translating to equality then. And Joanna Flanders says uh, the reality um, income gap is insane and essential menial unskilled jobs we rely on. That's insane. Uh, We must raise the minimum and lower the top. Uh, We must raise income of essential services, example, health, education, transport, etc., and lower executive incomes. Those are some of the contributions. Pumulani. Let me, let me, there's a point that has risen as you read your SMSs on and, and all those messages. People are saying that um, the working people are poor, right? That's what they're saying. They're saying that it's not only the unemployed who are poor and that working people mm-hmm. are poor. But then the question is then exactly what is the definition of, of the poor? Then it comes back to that. Because poor can mean anything, right? Depending on how we look at what you, how do you define poverty? I think that if you say that the working people in this country are poor, in compa- what do you mean by that? That's the main question we're looking about. To me, by poor, to me it means that we are looking at people who do not have jobs, people who cannot wake up in the morning and get something at least to put on the table, right? Some wages are low, some wages are a bit high depending on your skills or so. If you are, have a metric or you have a college degree, you seem to have uh, getting, you always get, uh, it seems that you get a better wage compared to someone who doesn't have education at all. So that's the perspective we need to look at. We need to understand as to, okay, what do you mean by poor? Because I mean, to me, for someone who at least can put bread on the table, and has an opportunity to go to work. Yes, the, wa- the wage might be low, but at least you can put bread on the table. And mostly, by the way, when you look at all these minimum wage jobs, these low-wage jobs that we are talking about, most of the time, in many cases, you find out that uh, it is young people. Right? In this case, we're talking about in this country, I think they say 75% of the people are unemployed. It's young people. And the reason is very simple. The reason is because young people are people who are still looking for work, people who need to, uh, to get skills, people who don't have experience, so they are trying to enter the market. And the first thing you could do for them is to say that have a starting wage, yes, it may be low, have a starting wage, get experience, and then progress from there with that experience to look for a, a, a work that pays a higher wage. So we need to understand that as well. So to suggest that, as some people are saying, that it's one silver bullet, government must intervene, put in minimum wages, put in regulations. To, okay, and I hear you are saying that. But then let's look at one thing. We are putting a minimum wage to say that only an employer should pay, should pay X amount, right? X amount of money should be paid as a wage to, to an employee. What do you do for someone who is not skilled for, to, meet, to meet that minimum wage? Are you saying that person to, should stay at home? Because that's a logical argument that you are making. You are saying that all these uh, uh, um, 75% of the people who are unemployed in this country, of which most of them are young people, as I'm saying, we are saying that they should rather to not have experience to get that low-wage so, job. They should rather stay at home. Mm. And to me, that's a folly. So, Just a quick one before Dr. Fosland responds. Uh, Simpiwe Masego says, tell your guest, I would rather stay home than work for nonsense. Dr. Fosland? 
Yeah, for Blan, Blan discussing who are poor and so well, there are different uh, studies about that and different definitions. You have the different poverty lines, uh, which is used by by StatsSA, uh, where, where the sort of the the the, po- the the highest poverty line lies some somewhere about 1,100 uh, rand, um, something like that. But I mean that that is that is really you are you are living and and uh, you are not living a life at that level. Uh, but then, then you have had the, the other statistics or also different research uh, studies which speaks about you need a salary of about six thousand, six thousand five hundred, seven thousand in order to support a, a family of four at some kind of minimum level. Uh, and I mean, when you look at at the working class wages in in uh, South Africa, half of all employed in South Africa is earning around three thousand two hundred, three thousand three hundred or less. Uh, and uh, you can just discuss uh, with the women sitting at pick and pay or spa and or shop right, and you will see that they are earning two thousand five hundred, three thousand something like that per month. And really, and they are supporting a lot of family wages and family members on that that salary. And of course, this is to be a working poor. It's no doubt about it. But I mean, if you if you speak about instead of just asking the question, I think that Pogani could should go to the different studies and the different uh, uh, benchmarks that that are out there. When when uh, the the union movement has promoted uh, a minimum wage, then the, the suggestions range from four thousand five hundred, five thousand up to six, seven thousand per month as a minimum. Uh, what you sort of what you really need to support your family and so on. Robinson Winery in Cape Town now, in, 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 in the Cape province, in Western Cape, at Robinson, the workers there are, are, who are at strike at Robinson Winery, they have an entry wage of 2,900, and about half of them are earning 3,200. They are, they, they are demanding a minimum of 8,500. That is what they are considering to be a living wage. And I mean, if you would pay uh, d- d- workers in work a, a decent wage, then that also would be good. It's not a threat to the economy. It would be good for the economy because you need consumers. You need buying power in the economy to develop a local industry. And I mean, that is one of the besides that people just need to have money to survive. That this this need is not a threat to the economy. It's a part of of the economic solution to 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 the unemployment problem and the the problem of, of uh, that there's no there's too few enterprises, there's too few uh, too small local businesses in South Africa. They are no no consumer because the working class is too oppressed. So obviously one side of the problem is. One, one part of the solution is the stronger trade union movement, and the other side is a, uh, is a government that really stands for, for working class policies. And that is not the case today, because labor laws are not implemented. And employers, they are free to set wages of 1,000, 1,500, 2,000 per month, and they are doing it also.